podcast shows that Ukraine is not what foreigners see on television. In reality, Ukrainian people are much better, much more interesting and friendly than other people expect. This podcast is about the real life, experiences, work, and personalities of Ukrainian people with a focus on the capital Kiev so that foreigners discover the positive truth about Ukraine, hear the voices of Ukrainians, visit the country, and invest in the economy, creating more opportunities for the younger Ukrainian generations to stay and build their country. Hello, my name is Aziz, and I have a deep connection with Ukraine. My grandfather volunteered in 1987 to help liquidate the Chernobyl chemical radiation because he believed in humanity. He was a real hero for me, and even though he struggled with cancer after that, for the rest of his life, he always told me many great things about Ukraine and its people. Then, from 2018 to 2019, for two years, I began working with UNICEF in Ukraine to help build orphanages for the children who lost their families in the war. I couldn't return to Ukraine in 2020 because of COVID-19. So this project is my volunteer work to help Ukraine. And thank you all so much for the support. This podcast now is ranked number one on Apple Podcasts about Ukraine. Top 100 travel podcasts in France, Switzerland, and Ireland. Top 60 travel podcasts in the United Kingdom and in Norway. Top 50 travel podcasts on Apple in Sweden, Canada, Italy, and Spain. Top 25 travel podcasts on Apple Russia. Top 20 on Apple Poland and in the Netherlands. And top 10 in Finland, Romania, Cyprus, and South Korea. So please keep supporting as we will reach together 100 interviews and more and follow the new Instagram about this project, aziz.future. My guest today is Mikhailo Katz. Michael grew up in the industrial city of Zaporizhia in the southwest of Ukraine, moved to Kiev at the age of 18, and that's where his story started. From receiving a bachelor's degree with honors then a master's degree with honors from the Kiev National Economics University in the specialty of international economics, receiving in both 5.0 to Seneca College of Applied Arts and Technology in Toronto, Canada, where he did his postgraduate studies in marketing management and received a GPA of 3.9 from being a reporter and YouTube show host at the Kiev National Economics University media platform to being the organizer of a series of music concerts called Melomania at KNEU to being a project coordinator for Doors Open Toronto in 2018 and 2019 and now a membership outreach and marketing lead at the Songwriters Association of Canada. Michael is tremendously passionate about music, loves to play tennis, and adores video games. He is the dungeon master at his Dungeons and Dragons group. Michael, how are you today? I'm great, thanks. How are you doing? I'm great, enthusiastic, ready to converse. <laughs> and uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. So to begin. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Thank you very much for having me, first of all. You are welcome. It's my honor. And I want to explore something out of left field. So let's think about Dungeons and Dragons. Great. When you're immersed in this hobby, which part is your most favorite part? Wow. That's actually... I never anticipated this to be the first question, but I'll try to be um, as as much. Um, uh, well, I try to give the full the fullest answer possible, basically. So, Dungeons and Dragons is one of my greatest hobbies that I've ever had in my entire life. For those of you who don't know, Dungeons and Dragons is the tabletop RPG, so role playing game. And it consists actually of a group of friends coming together, creating characters, fictional characters. And in this world, in this game, you can play as um, elves, dwarfs, orcs, 
and other fictional races. You pick your, basically your job. You can be a wizard, a sorcerer, a fighter, or a monk. And you go with your friends on an adventure. My role as Dungeon Master is to create the world, create this adventure, and create the situations in which my party, so this group of friends, appear. This is actually a very complicated hobby because you don't you you need not only to realize in what setting does your adventure um, go, and it can be not only medieval style setting like Lord of the Rings ish. It can be a steampunk. It can be horror. It can be vampire slayer style. So the only image, the only boundary in Dungeons and Dragons is your imagination. So really, no boundaries at all. And I play as many characters as my party encounter. It can be a barkeeper. It can be a beggar. It can be a king or a shopkeeper. So basically, this allows the whole variety of things for me to improvise on and to be as much creative as I can. One second, this is beautiful. So you create the world, you make the adventure realistic, and you play creatively and improvise all the characters that your teammates who have chosen their own characters and their own jobs, etc., will encounter in that world and in those adventures. Is this a correct understanding? Yes. So imagine you are part of a group of adventurers and you um, get yourself into a small town or a small village. There is a inn, there is a bar, there is a shop, and there is a blacksmith. And I play all of them and any random character they will encounter. The coolest part about it, for me personally, is that I can role-play them with the help of my voice. I adjust my voice to sound differently. So if you want me to you know, improvise and become an old person, yes, I can do an old person sound. Or if they encounter an orc or a goblin, that's a whole different sound for that. And that's the coolest part for me. I love this. And I have so many questions, but I will ask a small one that is not so simple. How is that experience similar to music? This is a creation. And a lot of inspiration for music comes from science fiction. A lot of inspiration for Dungeons and Dragons, again, for me personally, comes from music. I can listen to an orchestra playing classical music or an orchestra playing an epic music or soundtrack from movies like Marvel stuff, like Avengers or Doctor Strange or DC comics from Batman to Robin and Joker. And I come up with an idea for an adventure. And I can't explain this process, but when I hear music, I, I can see the picture of a battle running in or my party going into a tavern or a bar and hanging out there. It's a very, very creative process of basically saying that you can do anything you want and here is the situation and you create it. And a lot of uh, musical creations actually come from vice versa, from the movies, for example, or from games or from any ideas that you hear while talking with your friends. It's a mutual process anyway. Thank you. So to specify, when you hear music, whether an orchestra or from a movie, an idea comes to your mind about some situation that you can create as a dungeon master for your party 
I don't know whether that's the right word that will be used in that situation, or horde, or group, and you will embody that with your voice in a creative way and improvise a situation that you give them, and what they do is anything they want within this fantasy. Is this correct? Yes. Always, you know, remember that there are rules, and it's an extensive rule book that Dungeons and Dragons have. It's three hundred plus pages, but not necessarily you need to read all of them as a player. Dungeon Master is the one who explains the rules to the party, to the group of adventurers. Each adventurer has its own character sheet. And as any human being, they have different parameters. So they have strengths, they have their agility, they have their constitution, and so on and so forth. And in every situation, depending on how they want to solve this, they roll the dice. The higher they roll, the better the outcome is for the party. My um, my job here, my duties, basically, is to follow the rules or make my own. And again, the main advantage about Dungeons & Dragons is that the rules are there, but you can always make your own. You can expand your world, you can rely on the rulebook, but at the same time, you can create what is called the homebrew stuff. It can be homebrew races, homebrew classes, homebrew rules, again. So at the very end, it's really just about having fun with your friends. It is about having fun with your friends and either within the rules or creating your own homebrew versions and rolling the dice and hoping for the best. And are there some lessons from Dungeons and Dragons and mindsets you learned that helps you with outreach and marketing? Yes, actually it is true, there are. For example, I learned with Dungeons and Dragons um, that you have to treat each person with respect and dignity. This is probably one of the best lessons in my life. People are different, all of them are, and that's the beauty of the world. If your opinion is different from another person's opinion, respect it. Otherwise, you won't get alone. At, at all costs, you won't. And probably the best thing about it is that this game teaches you that there are no definitive way of solving problems or solving situations that life gets you in. There are multiple ways. You just need to think how to encounter this or that situation. And this lesson is also really great. Thank you. So to treat each person with dignity and to respect their opinion, even if they're different from yours, as well as knowing that there is no one way to solve a problem or to reach an outcome. The only limit is your imagination. Is this correct? And if so, do you have some memory that you really like that is meaningful to you while playing Dungeons and Dragons, like a specific situation that lights you up whenever you remember it? Yes, actually, you're totally correct. And to recall, there are a lot of situations that my party got themselves into. But again, I want to specify that being Dungeon Master, you can prepare lots of possible outcomes for different situations. If you, for example, set a trap for the party that you can develop five, six, even ten possible solutions for that trap, but you never know what your party will do. As an example, um, they were in a dungeon, I mean, my adventuring party, and they got themselves into a trap room filled with poison gas. I recall having 12 solutions. 12. And none of that was the solution that they've chosen to. 
they've chosen to hit a door with another player. So we had a, a dwarf fighter in our party who suggested just to grab another party member and just throw him into the door. We laughed so hard, but it actually worked. <laughs> this is wonderful. And then I have to ask, because this is a question that some people might have in mind. Is such a thing, one, it could be possible that Dungeons and & Dragons and that thing, the being surprised by your party's solutions that you didn't expect, is a way to add excitement and adventure to your life without needing to walk around in the freezing cold now <laughs> there in Canada. So you can, from the comfort of your own home, be anywhere in any alternative universe. Or it's in a way, like when I was speaking with uh, Katrina Filipschuk, who is also from Canada, she said that as an immigrant there, there was a stereotype and expectation. So for her to be an actress and to play different characters, that's a way for her to break the mold and be limitless and any person she can be without any expectations or stereotype and therefore she's free to be anyone. So is it to you more of an uh, dopamine and a bit of adrenaline of playing this? Or is it a universe where you can create freedom, face the unexpected, and be free to not just be Michael, but be anyone in the world without limits? It is actually a little bit of both. The main advantage of Dungeons & Dragons and the beauty of Dungeons & Dragons lies within the roleplay. You can really be whoever you want to be. And you can play however you, you want to play. And basically, this for our party, for example, because some of us are in Canada, some of us are in Ukraine, this is a great way to connect with each other, to spend some time with each other and have fun. Because in this hard times, it's really hard to obtain this so desired fun and have your friends stay right behind you and support you and just chat about stuff and just be, be yourself. Dungeons and Dragons for me and my friends is the way not only to connect, but to be ourselves. No one will judge you because this is your character and you can play it the way you want it. There are rules, of course, but there are no limits. And if you were to contrast the real life with Dungeons and Dragons, is real life not as much fun? Can you, in real life, is it that you cannot be fully yourself? And is it that in real life, there are people who might judge the people, like you in general, not you specifically? No, I won't say that. I'm just saying that real life is obviously complicated, but you have a way to treat your life differently and treat it as the way you want. I'm not saying that being and living in real life is is not free or you can't be anything you want. You can. It's just sometimes it's really good to forget about the problems of real life and go beyond that to the magic worlds far, far away and just relax and spend your time, like quality time, with the people you love. For me, it's, yeah, it's a hobby that I love. And I want to continue doing this with my friends. Hopefully, well, we've been doing this for more than a year already. And hopefully we'll continue uh, to do this. But the ultimate idea is that we can have fun wherever we want and how we want. When we're together, we're not only just playing tabletop games or board games. We chat with each other. We play sports. We do, you know, we spend some quality time together. 
I'm just saying, in these hard times when everyone's sitting home, this is the ability to forget about everything that bothers you, every problem that you have in your life, and just be yourself. Be whomever you want to be and spend time with friends, which is really, really helpful and needed for everyone that I know, at least. Be yourself. Spend quality time with those you love. And are there other situations other than now Dungeons and Dragons where you had or have a similar feeling? Practically every time that we gather together with friends, it's the same feeling. It's the feeling of community, as you've said. It's the feeling that you're welcomed. It's the feeling of comfort. And the feeling of not limiting yourself to some social boundaries or, you know, playing someone that you are not. Because in my experience, some people expect you to be something because, you know, there are um, stereotypes, for example. In this field, in this sphere, I mean, in Dungeons and Dragons or just hanging out with friends, nobody expects you to behave in a, in a, you know, in a specific way. Appropriate way, yes, but not in a specific one. And this is the main advantage and the thing that I love about this whole thing. Thank you. And in psychology, the drive and desire to be fully yourself without being expected to be in any specific way only comes from you having experienced the opposite and found it to be negative and bad and something you dislike. So did you have moments and periods in your life where you felt there was expectations from society or other people that somewhat were suffocating you and you were eager and even hungry and thirsty for a sense of community where you can be yourself, where you can have fun, where there are no expectations or judgments and you can do anything and be anyone you wish ever? Well, I guess my answer is we all have these times. We all had them at some point in our life. I can't remember a specific time period when I had those, but I guess to me it's when you speak with a person and you realize that this person has a little bit of a different mindset than yours. Then to me, I mean, I will behave with that person uh, respectfully and no doubt about it, I will do everything possible to um, continue working with that person or hanging out with that person. It's just, to me, I feel when this is the right person to continue um, speaking with and becoming friends or not, because I prefer to spend time with people who support what I do or support my hobbies or even share ideas that I support. So, yes, to me, it's just a choice that we all make at some point. What people deserve to become our friends and we continue hanging out with them and what people are acquaintances, I guess. This is wonderful. And how do you apply this insight when you're playing different characters, whether a bartender or a, an ironsmith? or a seller, or a merchant, or whatever, in the worlds you create in Dungeons & Dragons, because each person that you play doesn't necessarily share the values and perspectives of the party, but you said they should be respected and dealt with fully and found in, finding a solution together. Well, now you're saying in real life, if you find such a person, well, choose to go and find someone more compatible, which I don't know whether that will be an option when you are playing with, uh, uh, like when your party is dealing with you as the characters that you play, or do you always try to play more friendly characters who are open-minded and modern and loving and approving 
almost at the, to a fault. Well, to basically add to what I've said before, there are situations in real life that you just can't choose, right? I mean, you can work with colleagues that don't share a lot of your interests and hobbies, and that's fine because you're doing one job, you're working for a company and you're doing one project. And Dungeons and Dragons, for example, helps a lot with dealing with people from different backgrounds, with different interests and hobbies. Because you either find a way to coincide with them, I mean, to work together. And yes, of course, it's a challenge because each person is different. But at the end of the day, if you overcome this challenge and you find a way to make a good team, you succeed on a quest. And that's what party does in Dungeons and Dragons. They need to find a way not only to talk with strangers or um, characters that I play, which are different, but they need to find a way to work together with their own characters. And their characters can be different. They can be even evil alignment and they can have their own agenda. But at the end of the day, they're stuck together with each other. And their ultimate quest is to find um, find solution to um, their assignment, their quest. So when I'm playing different characters, first of all, my homework, basically, my, uh, what I do in preparation for the session, for the game, is to read enough um, books, see enough movies, watch enough television shows on that topic that portray different characters. And yes, probably I'm a mimic, as you've told at the very beginning. I'm I'm trying to grasp the char- the characteristics of a person, whether it's an orc that tries to kill everyone, whether it's a bartender that tries to sell you uh, something, I don't know, some alcohol drink or tea, doesn't matter. But it's not only about the voice, it's about manners, it's about their characteristics, their character, and their features. So when we're sitting in, at the table, I'm trying to incorporate gestures, uh, facial expressions, as well as voice acting to get an idea to my party what this character is, what it does, how it looks like, and so on and so forth. Thank you. And that sounds to me a lot like music, where through your hands or whatever way you're playing a musical instrument, through your face, through your emotions, through your body, you convey to the audience an emotion, a feeling, and the character of the song. But I'm not sure whether you play instruments or you're more involved in the organization. But even within the organization, it sounds to me like similar to your Dungeons & Dragons party, where they might have different backgrounds and different agendas and goals, but they come together to overcome challenges and to succeed. Can you speak a bit more about how music is similar or different to Dungeons and Dragons. In the music industry, if we're talking about organizing events or just marketing uh, music, uh, as you know, per se, um, it's still working with different personalities, with different people. And it all comes to this. If you can work together, everything will be great. But if you can't, it's your ultimate assignment and quest to overcome these obstacles and work together. What I do in Songwriters Association of Canada, for example, is more of a um, community hub. So what we're trying to do as an organization is not only to um, protect the rights of composers, songwriters, and musicians, but give them the sense of a community, of a hub where where they always are welcomed and they have the ability to promote their songs, they have the ability to showcase their performances and their music craft. And of course, when we're doing events, 
when we're making them and preparing them, I work with people who share my passion for the music industry. And that's a, a giant, giant plus into working in such a such an industry, such an interesting industry. Thank you. And I don't want to talk about that too much because you probably speak about it 20 hours a day, four hours <laughs> you're sleeping. So let's speak about tennis. You said in your introduction that you wrote that it's something that you enjoy playing. But is it a passion? Does it like get to that level or not? It's, I think... I can't call it passion. I think of it more as a hobby and a way to exercise and keep myself fit because I started playing tennis when I was eight years old. I watched some tennis tournaments over the TV and I said to my parents, I wanted to play. I wanted to start playing. And I like that sport very much because to me, it incorporates not only your physical abilities as much as your mindset and knowledge. And you have to think strategically and tactically to play tennis. It's not how strong you uh, hit a ball. It's in what corner, how um, specifically you strike, you hit a ball, and... Um, how do you make your um, opponent um, get out of of the of the gist, basically, and maybe how you overcome um, your opponent's strength? So it's more to me as a chess game, right? When you have to think um, quickly about what's going on on the court and how do you approach your opponent's strengths and turn them into disadvantages. Something like that. And isn't this exactly what the party does in Dungeons and Dragons? It is so. It is so because um, Dungeons and Dragons ultimately consists of two main aspects. Social integration, um, your role playing and how you approach different situations verbally and battle mode so how you approach situations while in combat and for combat in dungeons and dragons we're using tactical maps which are divided into squares and your movement is basically a square movement so you can move like five squares per turn it's a turn-based combat system anyway so what i'm saying is you need to think strategically in dungeons and dragons as well you need to use cover you need to use your environment to your help because if you're fighting indoors, that's a whole different perspective whether you're like versus you're fighting outdoors because there are different environmental things that you can use to your advantage or to disadvantage of your opponents. Thank you. And I have a question then since Dungeons and Dragons has been out and published for 40 years now. Well, there are thousands of other RPG games and millions of alternatives. What did you find to be superior or special about that game? That's why you focus on it rather than anything that you could have chosen with your friends. When we were choosing um, what game to play and what um, role play system to use, um, there are lots of them, you're right. There is Pathfinder, and a lot of others among, uh, alongside uh, Dungeons and Dragons. But when I started learning about them, and I started watching, of course, YouTube videos, um, learning about them by reading the rule books and rule sets, I thought that Dungeons and Dragons has, to me, again, it's personal a bit still, it has more freedom than any other rule set, than any other system, and it is relatively easy to start playing Dungeons and Dragons um, for me and for my players rather than using other systems because they are either more complicated, have more um, peculiarities, or they are really hard to grasp the idea or they're very 
railroaded, if you may. So it means that uh, the freedom of doing something inside that system or behave accordingly is kind of limited. And this is really what I don't like about some of the video games. So some of the video games, um, they just grab you by your hand and just, you know, go, go here, do that. And they, you kind of feel a sense that everything is done for you, but you don't have this freedom and ability to make your own choices and make your own mistakes, of course. Dungeons and Dragons instead has no definitive answer to each situation. That's why, to me, um, that is the system that is, you know, the, the system that I love, and that's why we're playing it. Thank you. And then to think, because we spoke a lot about these topics and these activities and the Dungeon and Dragons and music, etc. But I would like to explore for a bit another side of you. If you could have everything you ever wished, all your dreams came true, and you will design a perfect day for you that will truly fulfill you, what would you do first? How would you spend your day? What would be a perfect day for you that will feel like a masterpiece 24 hours? Well, um, depends on what day we're talking about. If we're talking about a weekend, that's a definitely different thing rather than a work day. But in the perfect world, my perfect day starts with a little bit of CrossFit, then tennis um, party. We, you know, we were doing uh, some tennis play. And then I go hang out with my friends. I enjoy being among people who share my interests. I enjoy being with people who support me in what I do. And of course, our perfect party, I mean, hanging out with friends is attending um, some theater performance, for example, or going into movies because we're big fans of science fiction, we're big fans of um, comic book based movies like Marvel and DC. Yeah, we're geeks, but you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not shameful anymore to be a geek in our society nowadays. So I can speak freely of that. Um, and then ending the day with some musical performance, we enjoy going to musical concerts as well. Maybe playing the piano, because I, I really adore doing that. And ending the day with the uh, session of Dungeons and Dragons. I guess that's that's my ultimate day. Just don't worry about anything else other than, you know, hanging out with your friends. Because when you think a lot about the problems that you're facing, when you think a lot about um, things that bother you, I kind of, I feel frustrated very quickly but when i forget about it when i switch to other dimension other reality something that i like it's it's a totally different thing for me and that will be i guess the perfect day for me i'm curious then since you love movies and you said when you watch them there are two things that you mentioned when you hear music you imagine situations that you can apply to your party as a dungeons and dragons dungeon master that's one and the second you focus on the mannerisms characteristics and peculiarities of the different characters to be inspired to play them not just with your voice but as well as with your mannerisms and even tics and whatever but what else do you notice about movies that maybe helps people to imagine what it is to be Michael watching a movie and how you perceive it differently from other people? So to me, when I started being a dungeon master, when, when we started playing, I really started seeing things differently when, while I watch movies or TV shows. I started to question the reasoning behind each character, what each character does. 
So if it's a villain, why does does he do what he does, right? So why he kills people or what is his intentions? Uh, what are what are his intentions to do this or that? It's like in The Dark Knight, the one of the best trilogies that humanity has seen has ever seen by uh, Christopher Nolan, I guess. Um, it's about Batman. So in the second movie, in the second installation, um, the main villain was Joker. And I always try to understand what were his intentions because everyone was saying, well, he's crazy, he's out of his mind, etc., etc. But there was something that pushed him to that criminal path, right? And I always try to question why this person does what he does. The With the heroes, with the hero characters, well, pretty much it's straightforward. However, with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, for example, I always questioned Iron Man's, a.k.a. Tony Stark's intentions. Why does a billionaire suddenly realize that he doesn't want to do um, weapons anymore, produce weapons anymore, and just switch to being a 24-7 hero? What drives Captain America? And so on and so forth. So I'll, I'll, I, I'm trying to go deep inside a character's mindset and realize what is the reasoning for all that. That helps me a lot, not only while creating characters for Dungeons & Dragons, but it helps me a lot while dealing with different people. I'm, I'm trying to sense and I'm realizing that I'm sensing, I'm starting to sense um, why person does what it does. Thank you. And that reminds me of a documentary that was done on Disney a, a long time ago, a while ago. And one of the people who was creating the stories for the movies, he said, your movie is only as good as the villains in it. So <laughs> that's what he considered, not the heroes, but is the villains who make the movie strong and special. And then, therefore, if I understood correctly, in many ways, even you being a dungeon master and playing characters and doing their mannerisms and exploring and having realistic intentions for them and paying attention to characters and their drives and drivers in movies and in the cinematic universes of all kinds, in many ways, all that is taking lessons to become a student of human nature so that you can understand people faster, easier, see deeper, and understand people's motivations. So maybe because in psychology or in sales or in marketing even, when you can understand what people truly want, not what they show at the first glance, then if you facilitate that, you can have more of a cooperation situation like your party, where even if you don't have the same drives, you can have a joint adventure where you can intersect both drives into something that is beneficial for both of you and for the bigger picture. Is this a fair understanding? Yes, yes, it is. It's just you need to realize that, again, it comes from the understanding that each person is different. Even, you know, even twins are different, right? You can have shared interests and hobbies, but your motivations, your drivers will always be different. It helps me a lot, actually, with marketing. The first lesson of marketing to me is understanding the needs of your target audience. And in the creative industries like entertainment, arts, music, cinema, it's all about having something that strikes your audience right away, but something unique, something that has never been done before. And that's the ultimate goal, to amaze your target audience, to um, produce a wow effect. 
If you have this, you can succeed in these creative industries. If not, then you'll just be another imposter, basically. And is your role as a dungeon master somewhat of a dojo and a practice to develop your ability to do the unexpected, to deal with the unexpected, to create the unexpected, and to wow your party? That's my ultimate goal as the dungeon master. If you create a plot for your adventure, or you know, if you're trying to understand how the story goes, you always start from the very end. So you're going backwards. And if I'm planning some plot twists, for example, to amaze uh, my uh, adventuring party, my players, this is a two-way road, actually. Because um, there is such thing in, in Dungeons & Dragons as session zero. During this session, we actually create the characters. And the one of the essential parts of each character is the backstory. And with the help of this backstory, I can ultimately create the best experience for any player. Because this backstory reveals some situations in the past of this particular character that could serve as a plot hook or plot twist, a potential plot twist. The most um, common explanation of that is when someone writes a backstory of his or her parent, parents being dead, and then suddenly they are resurrected by a main villain, and they are um, used to put this character in, um, in a hard, hard ways or harsh ways, basically. So to put pressure, uh, psychological pressure on that character. This situation, when it happens during, uh, the, during the game, is priceless. Thank you. I mean, I believe now that if you watch the Apple TV series Mythic Quest, you will enjoy it very fun. You will chuckle a little bit and you'll find it informative, especially the writer who's always thinking about the backstory of everything and everyone. And to finish this, because it can go on for a long, long time, if you were, imagine there are people out there who in this moment, because they say when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And so maybe someone was needing whatever you'll say next. We don't know. And that can really help them in their life. What advice comes from your heart or lesson that you feel is absolutely valuable to share that you can share now and let it be there out there in the world doing its positive effect? So can you share a lesson or advice that you feel is very important to be shared? You know, I believe, honestly, in the... Um in one of the psychological principles. It is called the principle of an emotional mirror. It says that how you treat a person, you will always be treated back with the same um, emotions. So basically, if you hate someone, you'll be hated back. If you treat someone with respect, honor, and dignity, you'll be treated the same way. This is my motto, and I'm always trying to treat every single person with respect, respect this person's beliefs, hobbies, interests, whatever. But at the end of the day, it is how we treat a person what comes back at us. So my advice um, is as follows. Please respect everyone because this is how we can overcome every major problem in the world. Just be yourself, respect each other, and everything, and I mean everything, will be great for everyone. Thank you. In psychology, that's actually called not just like the golden rule, but world creation or a self-fulfilling prophecy where actually um, Stephen Covey's son, he wrote a book called The Speed of Trust, and he was saying in it and arguing, 
if you begin by trusting people, a lot more people will be trustworthy and will trust you back. But if you begin with uh, doubting the motives of everyone, you will end up in a world where everyone doubts your motives and therefore you create the reality that everyone is untrustworthy, but you cannot even see it because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that because you assumed everyone is untrustworthy rather than trustworthy, you end up in a world filled with villains, basically. And that's wonderful to know and to realize the more positive, good, and forthcoming and honest you are, the more people were responding kind and therefore treat people well because that's how the chain of events begin for them to treat you back and to treat everyone else by seeing you as a role model in a positive way. And Michael, if people want to participate in your Dungeons and Dragons parties or events or they want to communicate with you or they want to learn more about you, what are the best ways for them to learn more and to connect with you? Well, they can always connect with me through Facebook, Michael Katz. They can connect with me through Instagram at MichaelKatz94. Um, and my LinkedIn, Mikhailo Katz or Michael Katz. Um, either way, uh, both ways works. Thank you. I will put some of these links in the description and it was fantastic and I wish you a great day. Thank you. It was an honor to speak to you and the pleasure is all mine. Thank you for having me.